Welcome to The Rutledge Perspective. I am your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about the things that are top of mind as you navigate your career, whether corporate or otherwise. The plan is to get you out of your rut and talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Welcome to The Village. All right. Well, welcome to this episode of The Rutledge Perspective, and I am so excited. Today, we are interviewing a good friend of mine and an amazing woman, uh, Miss Kim Seymour. And I'm going to read you her bio because there's a lot of things in there that I really like, and then we're going to just dive in. Um, Kim Seymour currently serves as the Chief People Officer at WW, which was formerly Weight Watchers, where they inspire healthy habits for real life. Kim sets the strategy in all areas that impact the company's global talent, in addition to being responsible for WW's internal consulting group. Previously, Kim focused on the development and delivery of impactful human capital strategies in support of ambitious business goals in progressive roles at American Express, Home Depot, and General Electric. A demonstrated ability to architect transformation, forge connections, deliver insight, and link talent to strategy have been the hallmarks of Kim's 20-plus year HR career. This mastery was gained in a variety of environments, from revenue-generating commercial businesses to vast global servicing organizations and everything in between. Kim's leadership has extended to many HR disciplines, including talent assessment, succession planning, organizational design, performance management, labor relations, acquisitions, divestitures, and coaching. Throughout her career, Kim's focus has been on being a trusted advisor and thought partner, and on building world-class business teams ensuring that the people side of the business equation enables strategic growth plans. Kim wholeheartedly believes that talent, leadership, and culture are the keys to winning. Kim holds a JD from Vanderbilt and an MBA from IU, which is where we met. Um, She frequently delivers workshops on leadership and career management nationally and internationally. Kim, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the Rutledge Perspective. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely, and so today, You know, when I think about the people that are in my village at the Rutledge Perspective and what they're looking at, it's women in particular who are really successful, but may have started getting kind of frustrated or tired and they really don't know why. And what I'm trying to present to them is that there are many options in your career and there are many things to do. And sometimes the journey is just not straight. It may be leaving. It may be staying. There's lots of opportunity. And so I thought of you immediately as someone that would have a really great story to tell. So why don't we almost start kind of at the beginning? How did you get to where you are? What did that journey look like for you? Well, this was not the destination in in the beginning, as you know. Um, uh, Going, uh, first of all, I was raised in Memphis, raised by my grandparents. That that is a lot in and of itself and going into who I became. But we'll skip over that to get to college. (laughs) I always knew I was going to go to law school. Yes. And I knew that because ultimately I wanted to be a senator. That was the goal. Yes. And most senators had a law degree at right. that point. <laughs> I, I, do that. I was going to do civil rights law because that's what I was interested in. Right. Um, or, or some other kind of public service mm-hmm. law. I went to Vanderbilt and getting there, you can be specially admitted to practice law. So I supported indigents and children. And it was just heartbreaking work. So I decided, yeah, this is not what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing. But I did uh, demonstrate some kind of facility with the employment, labor law side of the world, corporate law. Um, But I didn't understand enough about 
business to feel like I could really contribute. So that's when I decided to go to business school. And human resources just was what appealed to me. Just the, not just the the whys behind why people did what they do. What they do, I'm still fascinated by. Um, but the talent part of the equation being so important to business success. So I left there and joined um, General Electric on its HR leadership program, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of where it started. But I certainly uh, did not intend to end up in human resources. Um, But once I did, that's what I've been doing in different ways Mm -hmm. uh, for all of all these many decades. Right. Well, and what's so interesting, and I I always look for for interesting HR people, because one of the things you said that's really key and where, where we find from an HR perspective, you know, this whole, we need a seat at the table, we're a business partner, you know, Financial people don't call yeah, Be careful what you ask for. Exactly. Be careful what you ask for. We could write a book. Um, but what was interesting about what you just said, too, was the recognition that you had around the need to understand business as you went through and were doing, even not thinking necessarily about HR, but understanding mm-hmm. needing that language to do what you want to do. Talk a little bit more about how important that has been along your journey. I, it might be one of the two or three things that distinguish me, you know, personally about my makeup between, from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm going to rip apart, you know, the, the P&L on a daily basis, but I understand what I'm looking at when I do look at it and I'm able to talk that language. Mm-hmm. There's an inherent credibility that comes with that, number one, um, when you're facing off against very senior people mm-hmm. who are looking for solutions from your side of the world. Right. Now, that's the first thing of credibility, but those solutions that I offer are grounded in the business. Um, Say that again. It, it's grounded in the business. HR, I get it. Um, sometimes we have to be the cultural bearers. We have to be the conscious of the organization. We have to put the human back in human resources. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, we're all there for the success of whatever the entity is that we're supporting. And that success is only going to happen if you're all pulling toward the same business and strategic goals. So I've got to understand those. I've got to understand the levers that you can pull. I've got to understand the consequences of the decisions that we make, uh, you know, real business, profit and loss, revenue um, consequences in order to craft solutions that can be helpful to the goal. So it's not just a credibility thing. It's an actual how effective can you be if you do not have business acumen. And I will say it is a, an assessment point for my team. Mm-hmm. How embedded in the business are you? How much do you understand um, how to contribute from with that in mind? Right. I, I keep that in mind as I'm hiring, as I'm developing people, and ultimately as I'm deciding who needs maybe another chapter somewhere else. Right. And have you found that as you've gone through this and had that ability to speak that language, that even not only the the credibility, but the depth of conversation and your ability to really translate those softer projects, Mm -hmm. right? Those touchy-feely, want to make people happy projects can be much more easily presented in a way that says, yes, this might be really nice and feel good, but ultimately here's what the ROI on that's going to be. If we right. So I, no doubt about that. I spent all morning actually doing that globally 
mm -hmm. um, on, on my other Zoom calls that I've had. Yes. And it, when people are crafting solutions, because you know I have a team. The, the good news is I'm not trying to craft every solution <laughs> myself anymore. I have a team that helps me to do that. But when they come to me with whatever the solution is, if their first justification is something too fluffy, they know that we're going to go back to the drawing board because we have to put it in language that they're going to understand. It, it's not that we shy away from that, but it's certainly not going to be my first bullet right. about how good people are going to feel about this. Right. It's going to be something about what this is going to do for the business, what it's going to do for that leader. Um, even if the ultimate um, uh, efficacy of whatever the idea is, is to enhance leadership because that will enhance the business. And let me tell you how. Exactly. And as I, I said from a, a mentor I had years and years ago, business person first, HR person second, because yeah. if we're not taking care of the business or there is no business, nobody has a job. So yeah. you got to think sure. about mind first. And that doesn't mean you don't care about people. You just have to ensure that there's a balance there. So, and, and I think that it, it matters your personality, how you convey and communicate that. I, am, I, I'm, I have to watch being too dismissive of the, the um, what I'll call cultural mm -hmm. uh, concerns, mm -hmm. uh, the parties and the, all that. I, there is really no way I could care less about the <laughs> right. holiday party. Right. But I know that after people have been working so hard in advance of our business goals, yes. you need a release or you need to connect or you need to whatever. Um, so yeah, I have to care about that too. Yes. Yes. And it's, I'm, I'm laughing because my last team that I had, they were like all these Laurelisms, right? And one of them was, we do not own that. I am not the party planner. I have Kimism. Yes. It's one of my Kimisms. But the good news is I have someone on my team that says, yeah, I get it. We're, we need to do this. Yes. And I go, okay. Exactly. Does it have to cost that much though? Right. <laughs> right. And I'll show up and I'll be nice and I'll play nice. Oh, the parties, right? But, but, and, and, and helping people understand also that it's not just the party in and of itself and some of the release that people absolutely need, but also those parties are a way for people to connect, right? For people absolutely. to know who you are. Absolutely. Um, to me, and relationships are, are part of the, the, the fuel of any organization. Mm -hmm. And as much as Zoom and Slack and all of these yeah. um, uh, uh, tools that we have are super helpful, mm -hmm. whatever you can do to forge real connection between people right. just makes the working together easier farther down. Whether it's Zoom, whether it's the party, whether it's whatever it is, um, the coffee chat. Right. Making making it so that you can know where someone is coming from. Mm -hmm. It's easier to know that. It's easier to understand other people's agendas. It's easier to under, to assume positive intent with someone that you've seen, quote unquote, face to face. Yes. Um, so if I need to have a party to make that happen, if I need to put, you know, block out time on people's calendar, connect time or what we used to call it connect time at, at one of the things I pulled together yes. to yes. force people to have conversations with each other outside the tactical, mm -hmm. outside the business imperative, right. then that's what we have to do. Ultimately, it'll pay off. Down Absolutely. The road. 
Absolutely. And what's, what's also fascinating to me as you, as you've done this journey. And as you said, you know, you started out in law school, you were going to be a Senator, all of these things. And then, you know, the law piece of HR is, is a huge piece, of course, that whole compliance piece and sure. investigations and what you say and what you write down and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there are attorneys who are able to operate in that gray, right? Kind of like we have to in HR. There's very few things that are absolutely yes or absolutely no, right? Most things yeah. are shades of gray. How have you seen having the law background as well as now being an expert in HR, how have you seen your ability to partner with your other, you know, legal counsel and help maybe those who are a little more black and white understand mm -hmm. kind of here's where we're trying to go, but we may need yeah. to wiggle a little bit within these guardrails to make right. it right for the person. How have you well, kind of think, with that? I mean, first of all, for the entire business, I think it's been helpful beyond the, 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 what I would call functional and technical mm -hmm. expertise of, yeah, I know when something does not look right. And I know right. enough about that to be dangerous. Yeah. What, what my legal training really does, is just gives me a different way of thinking, yes. which adds to the diversity in the room and diversity in the room is always going to produce a better product. Absolutely. So it, it's not even about one-on-one -on -one with our general counsel or with his legal team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It helps if they understand that, you know, from a training perspective, I get where you're coming from. I understand the questioning. I understand why you're poking holes in it. I'm not taking offense. I'm able to move things along a little bit quicker because either number one, I probably put it in a pretty good, um, uh, it's, it's in a good shape in the first place by the time okay. it gets to them because right. I have that. But second, the conversation just goes faster when I'm with you. It's like, yep, I got it. I know why you're saying that. I know why you're getting that. However, so the however is important because I often become the translator between the business and legal yes. sometimes. And it's that I understand their position of protection mm -hmm. of our organization. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have to come on in with the, but right now I need you to be a business partner and understand we need to craft a solution mm -hmm. that gets us as close to this business imperative as we can. Yes. which means that we don't start with no. We start with how can we make this work? Yes. And if we get to the point where either legally, regulation-wise, right. even reputationally, the answer has to be no, then we'll absolutely have that conversation as well. And I will go and bear that flag back to the business every day. Absolutely. So right up until that point, right. you're going to have to work with me. Right. So the, the usual no's, that will stop most people won't necessarily stop me that'll be the beginning of our conversation yeah. um, not the end of our conversation so i'm not sure if they find that a help or not right. I, know <laughs> if it, I know it happens to be helpful on the business side of things yes um, but really like I, I start out saying the legal background just gives me i think differently mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i argue differently yes. uh because i have that that background Absolutely. not better just different. Just different. Well, and that's key because there's two things that came out of what you just said that I think are important for the people that are watching this. And one is be okay with having, you know, a diverse background. I mean, my undergrad's in accounting. And then of course mm -hmm. we went to MBA together and I was doing operations international business. That didn't have anything to do with HR, but it right. gave me a different perspective, a different way to think, right? And yeah. then the other thing is that focus on solutions. There's nothing more frustrating. Well, 
there are a few things more frustrating to leaders than people just coming to them with problems or coming to them saying everything can't work or we've never done it that oh. way or this is how we've always done it yeah. and it stifles innovation so as you think about people who are people who are trying to be you right or people who are just trying to really be successful what are some of the key things around that solutioning mindset that you think they should do or practice on or really be mindful of? Yeah, I a couple of things. I mean, I'm probably not going to say them in any particular order. I'm probably going to take other things uh, later. I think if people call me successful, it will be because um, I'm, I'm really clear that this is not about me. Right. It's, it's either about that. I'm trying to make the business successful. I'm trying to make somebody else successful. I'm trying to make my team successful. And if I stop to think about it, success will come for me if, if all of those things happen. Absolutely. Um, so that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. People come to me because um, they trust my judgment. Mm -hmm. And if they trust my judgment, it's because I've seen a couple of things <laughs> and I've gone through a couple of things yeah. and I'm able to connect certain dots mm -hmm. and, um, present scenarios and options. Now I will always have a point of view about what I think the best scenario and option is, right. but I'm not interested in winning. I'm interested in, in being effective. So that might not be where I start out. It might be, you might end up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to be, I think, successful, you have to be willing to sublimate your own ego sublimate your own agenda. You have to be willing to forge relationships and connections with people so that you understand what their agenda is, so that you understand, you know, what is important to them and then help them to get there. Now, what I'm really clear with people about is my method of helping might not always look and feel great, yeah. um, but it's always from positive intent. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm trying to help someone to be successful. And, you know, it might be take the shape, shape of telling you something that you don't want to hear Absolutely. or asking you to do something that you don't want to do mm -hmm. uh, or pointing out something that is uh, unpleasant or distasteful. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all to, to the greater good, so, so to speak. So um, I, I just feel like investing in relationships, getting a variety of experiences that can inform good judgment and solutions, which means putting yourself in a variety of situations where you can see different things, yes, how people yes. react, what the consequences are, um, responsibilities, and all of that, because people don't call me because they think I know how many exemptions they should claim on their uh, payroll withholding or whatever. Matter of fact, I know nothing about that and probably have to Google it just like they do. Right. But they do come to me because, you know, I'm able to look at a situation, um, generate different scenarios about different action paths and approaches, what they might lead to, present that and have a very objective, pragmatic conversation around what should you do next or what should we do as an organization next. Mm -hmm. um, but it all starts in you've got to get beyond your own ego and, and making yourself the most um, important, you know, point on the page. Uh, not that you're not there. It's just that you're not number one or even two or three. And if you are, that tells me something about you, too. And I'm making I'm judging. Yes. <laughs> I'm judging you based on that.
Right. Um, good leaders are not the most concerned with their own success. They're concerned about making people around them successful. And I think because I do that, mm -hmm. I'd end up, ended up pretty successful at what right. I'm doing. Well, and, and you said a couple of things that, you know, as I, I'm going to go talk again to um, a local university and I love speaking to them and their MBA students and, you know, that challenge of being willing to get a number of different experiences, to say yes to stuff that you don't know how to do yet, right? That, oh, that value in those battle scars, right? So yes, could people move up faster these days? And, you know, millennials, I think, get a bad rap and they just want everything yesterday, right? Um, but the reality is it may not take 10 years to get to the same position anymore because we've got quicker access to information, right? I get that. And things are more automated. But that job may not also be a director job today because it doesn't take as many battle scars. And I think in that, in that desire to move quick, we've lost the value of experience, that value of failure. And so if you look back over your career, how has that played a role in, as you say, kind of getting those experiences now and now being able to connect dots? Oh, I, I, so here's an, the, probably the biggest example. When I joined American Express in 2008, mm -hmm. um, I'd been a generalist for most of my career. While I was on program, you had to go on, you know, your labor relations, some such, and all these things. But I was going to build my career being a generalist because mm -hmm. I, I too much liked having my fingers in everything. Yes. And when I got there, there was um, a void in the talent management space. Mm -hmm. And I come from GE, so I had a very particular point of view about the role of talent management mm -hmm. in the success of an organization. So they had pulled a lot of us together to get our point of view. I had a very definite one. I'm not afraid of voicing that, as I did. And the next thing I knew, I was in the talent management job. Right. <laughs> um, I will say I had no intention of going and being a, uh, a specialist. Uh, it, was, it was very in need of refreshing, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll say. Mm -hmm. at that point so it was going to be a heavy heavy lift the i had never done it before mm -hmm. the risk of failure was high yes. because it was yes. a global job mm -hmm. i felt like it needed to be done in a completely different way it needed to be socialized it mm -hmm. needed to be executed i needed a team i needed everyone to kind of get on board with um the this corporate asset philosophy that that i had there were just a lot of different um, strings that had to be uh, pulled together at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, it was not a dream that I had for myself, right. but my leader at the time dreamed bigger for me than, than I did for myself and saw something in me. So one of the things I tell people all the time is be open to the possibilities. Um, that possibility might be a veer off from what you thought you were gonna do, it to round you out. It might be a geographical move when you're just, you know, entrenched wherever you are. You have to be open. And I particularly tell women, start with yes. Start with yes and work your way into making all of the the um ancillary pieces mm -hmm. work for you. Right. There's usually an answer. There's usually a a way to be flexible in all of the the details mm -hmm. in order to get to yes. yes. Start with yes and make the rest of it fit. Don't start with talking yourself into why it can't work. That's incredible. And, and, 
and so important because, you know, I look back kind of like you, I look back and I could not have planned this. I could not have planned this career. The different stuff that I did, the different places I went, the only thing I knew was that I wanted to go to graduate school out of state. That's the only thing I knew and cool. knew I wanted an MBA, but I thought I was going to be doing logistics and I never thought I'd be doing HR and never thought I'd get in consulting, never thought I'd do auditing. But it's that saying yes, because there's something about it that makes sense in terms of your growth. Or as mm -hmm. you said, someone sees something in you that you don't see in yourself yeah. and be free and open and confident enough to just step into that. And if it works, it works. It's a J-O-B, not a L-I-F-E. You can start over if you have to, right? And what I tell people now is, if we say, we have a, a question that we ask here at, at WW all the time, what is your why? Mm -hmm. right? yeah. And I have long been applying that to careers. Yes. I'll be very, very crystal clear on why you're doing this, mm -hmm. why you show up, why this job, why this company. Right. It, it, could be, it could be title, money, travel, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people, leadership, team, the brand, the whatever it is, but right. know what it is. Because if you know what it is, you know what you'll do to get it and keep it, right? You, you know your degrees of, of flexibility. I'm yeah. very clear about why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I know what I'll put up with and what I won't. But if you don't know your why, yes. you, you have no clue about what is too much, what is not enough, what will you do to get it, what will you do to keep it, right, all right. of that. Know your why. It's really, really important. Absolutely. And having those boundaries, right? Because we find mm -hmm. ourselves running crazy. And then when we find, if we're not asking ourselves why in a disciplined manner on a regular basis, you wind up asking yourself why after you've spent six years not sleeping on a right. Sunday. And the, that reassessment is really key. Because my why in, you know, in 1998 is very, very different than my why. And I'm, I'm in the home stretch now to retirement. Right. So my why is different today than it was. But also I'm in a different just situation life-wise. Yes. Which means that what I will put up with and tolerate Absolutely. is way more narrow than right. what I would when I was still building. Absolutely. And, and needed more flexibility. Now I'm not too flexible about what I will deal with and what I want. Right. Absolutely. You and, know that about yourself. And exactly. And as you move through your career, you continue to earn the right to do that. And at any point, you can always set boundaries. You just need Absolutely. to know what those boundaries mean. That's it. And the, the people ask me, I was on a panel um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. where there's some kind of way the questioning turned around to power. Yeah. And to yeah. me, Power is not about position or money. Power is about options. Yes. You got to have options. Yes. And the one thing I'm really, really clear about is that I have options. And when you know you have options, you approach your whole life and job and decisions differently. Absolutely. You approach relationships, conversations. I, I often think, as I'm sitting in meeting, what is the worst thing that could happen if I state exactly my opinion is right now right <laughs> um you know there have been many times over my career where the answer to that question was different yes and so it mattered yes. more or less so, right right and and what's unfortunate is many times because organizations are fundamentally not people they're made up of people but organizations are not people 
unfortunately, many times these organizations or these companies or these nonprofits begin to treat people as if they don't have choices. And that's when things start going downhill, right? Like in, right. in professional services, they call it golden handcuffs, right? You get all this money and all these bonuses and, but they may treat you real crazy, but they've got you locked in, right? Cause, oh my gosh, I, if I go, I can't get as much money. Or if I go, I don't have this title. Or if I go, well, you know, the question I like to say is, but what if you stay? Right. The impact there are people who, who leave, but just don't resign. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, they're not contributing. Right. They're taking up space. Absolutely. And I don't, those are people who, again, there's a new chapter for you. There's always a different chapter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say, Kim, if somebody were to say, okay, I, I, am, I am trying to figure out my why. I'm really thinking about this because I, something's got to change, right? If you look back from when you started to today, what was your most significant learning? And then from that, what is the single piece of advice, and it may be multifaceted, that you would give mm -hmm. to someone that's really looking to either shore up where they are or just make a quick little change to be on their right trajectory, be peaceful in yeah. their life? So, I mean, I'll start with, with some of the, I guess, more career-focused one. And, and the first one is one that I've said before, relationships matter. Yes. They matter probably the most at, in, in some organizations. And I don't mean that from a political standpoint. I just mean when it comes to getting things done, clearing an obstacle, needing information, getting things done, you know, support for an idea. Yes. The relationships that you nurture and maintain become so very important. Looking for that next role yes. before it's public to everyone else relationships matter then. Mm -hmm. And I always say forming those relationships and maintain those relationships before the need. Yes. Right? So just in time is too late. I make it a habit and not from an inauthentic place, from a pretty authentic place to figure out, okay, who are the people I'm going to need to be dealing with the most and on a regular basis. And then there's who are the people who are just in an interesting area that I might not know anything about. Right. And I am very intentional about getting in the same place or coffee or whatever right. it is. Right. And I am not a natural networker. Uh, that's not what I, I think because I'm Southern. I think because generally speaking, I'm an introvert. Those right. are not things that I normally do, but I make myself do because mm -hmm. ultimately it's going to help my effectiveness. So relationships matter. Second to that, your brand matters. Yes. Um, uh, company grapevines being what they are and very efficient, you yes. want to manage that to the extent that you can. Yes. Um, yes. You want to be known as someone that's easier to work with. You want to be known as someone who um, is interested in making other people successful. Mm -hmm. You want to be known as someone who's smart. You want to be known as someone Understand whatever is important to your company, yes. and there are ways to figure that out. There's the stated goals yes. and leadership behaviors and whatever it is that they're being public about. And then there's the things that you see get, getting people promoted. Exactly. All of that should go into whatever your development plan is, mm -hmm. figuring out what the gap is between what they say is important mm -hmm. and what you're delivering right now is really, really important. Absolutely. And that becomes your development plan. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, another learning, um, th that one about this not, I, I'm, I'm very 
pragmatic about my talent assessment. Mm -hmm. And one of that is, does this person understand that none of this is about her or him? And you, you know those people where it's clear the answer is no, they don't get that. Right. And I put you in a different category. That might go back to the, the brand comment I made mm -hmm. before. But the, probably the biggest learning is it's not about title. It's not about money. It's about options. Yes. Now, those two things might lead to you having options. Absolutely. But the, the goal at the end for me is having options and knowing that I don't have to do any of this right. or that I could be doing something different. Mm -hmm. But the only way you know that answer is when you sit with yourself and be very honest and clear about what you're trying to build, build toward. Um, and when those things are not in line, what you say you'll deal with and what you say you want, then the, the disconnect is not going to be helpful to you. It's not going to be helpful to your leaders. It's not going to be helpful to your company. It's not going to be helpful to your family. Being just very clear on what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to build toward? I think that's really important. But the ultimate thing that's important is understanding that this is all temporary, yes. right? This is... This is not the goal. Coming in here every day and working toward the goal is to be, you know, a contributing human being, or it's to be whatever it is. Um, it, my pivotal time in my life, which is what, one of those things you asked, was when I was sick, and it was not clear that I was going to be able to be here doing this. Right. It really puts all of this in perspective. Yes. This is not life and death. <laughs> we are not curing cancer. Actually, this might be closer to curing cancer right. than before, because right. I do think wellness matters, right. uh, which is why that was so important to, to weave that into whatever my next role mm -hmm. uh, was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I ultimately understand that there's something more important than, than the pursuit of company goals, and it's making sure that you're alive to, to be around to, yeah. to um, experience life. So you better make that life what you want it to be. You only have one of them. I love it. I, I don't even know where to go from there. That is, <laughs> that is like perfect. And, and I think, you know, for those of you listening and watching, you know, real key, it's not about you. We've talked about that before on The Rutler's Perspective. It is not about you. Being a servant leader is not about you. It's about the people you're serving. Understanding your why. Not being in it to win. You know, understanding that it's not about about ego and that there is so much more important than that one thing that you're doing. And when you know that why, what you're doing and making sure that it's aligned, things get so much cleaner and so much clearer when you yep. have those options. As Kim said, make sure you have options. The power is in the options. I love that. Well, Kim, yep. oh, I'm just, I'm like convicted. I got so much stuff to do today. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the Rutledge Perspective. And I really and truly appreciate your being here. And I am sure that all of the people that are watching and listening will get a big kick out of this and have their next, you know, second win that's going. So thank yeah. you. You're welcome. We'll catch you next time. Okay, bye-bye. You have been listening to The Rutledge Perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please give us a five-star rating. You can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe to the show where you get your favorite podcasts. 
You can also follow me on social media. Oh, and if there's someone you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge perspective, please pass it along. Thank you for tuning in.